0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Well, it's a good day. Australia's still in the game at Edgebaston in the Ashes, the most important sporting event on the face of the planet, and. Um, Canterbury Bulldogs won yesterday. We believe in a God of miracles, and so that's a good day. The world's in a good place. Um, Don't know if you've seen it. I continue to pray for our local members. I know that um, I wrote to Kevin uh, Anderson this week, and I know that our state MP is weighing heavily um, some pretty important issues in front of him right now. He's written to us asking for our thoughts. If you've seen that, I encourage you to respond with incredible grace and wisdom but firmness. Um, And of course, um, our member, Mr. Joyce, is definitely making some courageous statements in federal parliament in the last week. And so the Bible tells us to pray for our rulers, to pray for our leaders. And so I encourage you, like me, to be continuing to pray for um, whoever our members are and whatever um, their political persuasion, which is unlikely to be left anytime soon in Tamworth. I don't know if you've seen these, can you see these from where you are? It's beautiful. It's modern fashion. And My granddad started going for the Canterbury, Bankstown Bulldogs before I was born. Apart from serving Jesus, it's probably the wisest decision he ever made in his life. And he passed that on to my uncle, and my uncle then passed that on to me. And then I pass it on to Lockie, I, I don't know if they are bulldog shorts this morning, son, but but um, four generations deep. What a wise, wise man my granddad was. Four generations deep. That's four generations, that's impressive, right? I think it's impressive. And when Lockie has a child, because we live in the age of you know, um, equality, it doesn't need to be a boy, um, but his, his one of his children will be forced to go for the bulldogs when... When the, girls, when the girls were little, they used to say, well, Dad, what will you give us? Which I appreciate the negotiation, I, I love that. But I used to say to them, girls, you do what you want. If you want to miss out, miss out. Lockie has no choice. He goes for the Bulldogs and like a good, faithful son, that is what he has done all the days of his young life. And over the course of time, we will see that whilst his sisters will be blessed, he will be more abundantly blessed as life rolls on. But what's even better than going four generations deep? I've got this plan that I'll let you in on. What's even better than going four generations deep is that now it's going deep and wide. I remember coming to church one day and I thought, you know what, given that I've got a microphone and I get to use it for great good, what what if I, over the next few years, converted as many kids as I could to following the team that I love, so that eventually, when we make another grand final, we'll have a party like our church has never had. Like, honestly, that's my plan. It's like to convert kids. I've been doing it, it's true. Some of them already converted. So I thought this morning, when you consider the power of a ripple effect that reaches deep and then starts to go wide, as we get started this morning, I thought, I'm gonna give three kids the opportunity to join the team today. And whoever comes first, all well, the kids are next door, aren't they? Well, this could be easy for you. If you're a kid and you stay with your mum, you can even send your mum or dad. All you need to do is commit. You just need to commit to being part of the team. You don't count Bella Bunnell, That's a lie. <laughs> Who wants to join? Who wants to join? The rest of your life, you'll be glad you made this decision. Have I got a yes? Yes! I have a yes! And see, your dad and your granddad go for the Bulldogs. Three generations deep. Powerful. Deep and wide, we're winning. (laughs) Anybody else this morning want to join? You can be an adult, as long as you do it with conviction. Anybody else? You can leave. (laughs) Anybody else? Wow. Phoebes, you in? Pardon? (laughs) Zach Coleman, you're already a supporter. (laughs) Deep and wide, boys. Find a kid. Find a kid. I want... Two new kids today, okay? <laughs> Let's find them today. Let's get this done. All right, there is a point to this. There's a ripple effect, right? There's a ripple effect that actually does reach four generations. Yeah. And, and um, Jesus created a ripple effect in the day in which he walked the earth and in the statement which he left as he left the earth. We've been looking at it for a couple of weeks. I'm going to read it to you today again as we wrap this series. It says this, Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus says this, his parting words to the world, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you um, always, even to the very end of the age, even to the very end of the age, I am with you. And so Jesus says these words to, to his disciples as he leaves the planet and Jesus really he 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 drops a stone that creates a ripple effect that became a rebellion in Jerusalem that became a global movement within a hundred years and became has echoed across or ripple effect across the generations to this very room at the ends of the earth. And so Jesus made makes the drop he makes a statement go and make disciples of all nations and then there's meant to be, and there has been, a ripple effect. You, you being here is probably the ripple effect of somebody that's gone before you. You know, Ash is not just here. She is here because God drew her, but she's also here because of Tammy, her mother, and, and her kids, you know, potentially going to serve Jesus because there's been a ripple effect that runs deep and hopefully runs wide. And, and, and that's, that's just the case. And Jesus started it and he left us with it. And so I want to talk with you for a few moments about this idea, creating a discipleship rip, ripple effect that runs deep and wide, that, that, that runs from our lives. And, and, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, it runs to your life today. How good would that be? That actually reaches you today, and this becomes the day where the ripple effect of what Jesus did in that time, and the commission or the command he gave to his disciples, that it would actually reach you in a way that changes your life from the inside out and transforms eternity. And for the rest of us, I think he wants us to be disciple makers. We, we talked about that in week one and week two. We said it like this. To, for, for, to be a follower of Je- to be a believer in Jesus meant to be a follower of Jesus. They were inseparably linked. The idea that you were a believer without being a follower actually James wrote to it and said even the demons believe in God but that's of no help to them at all. To be a believer is to be a, a follower. They're inseparable partners. I, um, I put it maybe the best definition of discipleship in the history of the world. Um, when Jesus speaks, we listen. We're, what Jesus did, we do. Where Jesus leads, we go. Like We can all do that, right? We can, With God's help, we can all do that. I feel like with all of our imperfection, we can get that done. What Jesus says, when Jesus speaks, we listen. What Jesus did, we do. Where Jesus leads, we go. Every believer in the room. And so um, he, he, here's the thought. What if we were able to create a discipleship ripple effect that went deep next generation and went wide to those around us? Because all of us are creating a, a ripple effect one way or the other, aren't we? You already are. So am I. It's not a question of, am I? It's a question of, what am I? It's just a question of, what is being created from my life? What is the ripple effect of my life? And so, what is is that for you? There are those uh, who, who, through the the ripple effect of what Jesus did and the commission He gave, it's true that there are people living today that the ripple effect of that first century moment will die with them. For 2,000 years, it's weaved generation to generation, farmer to builder to housewife to preacher to whoever to school teacher to scripture teacher to whatever's going on to ripple effect. 2,000 years of weaving across history will reach them and stop with them because of the way they live their life. And then there'll be other people who by their life will dilute the ripple effect. It'll, it'll reach into the next generation just... But the next generation and those around them will have to rebel against or overcome what's been modelled for them to live heart and soul for Jesus. And then, and then, and then, there are those people who will take Jesus at his word. Yeah, come on. And we can't control what comes of it, but we can determine what flows from us. And that can have and will have a discipleship ripple effect that goes way beyond. I remember when my grandma um, was serving Jesus and at one point, all of, none of her kids, they'd all abandoned their faith. They, some of them came back to their faith, some of them still living. But I remember there was a time when she must have thought, why, 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 what's, what's happened? And yet today, she's got children serving Jesus. She's got her grandchildren serving Jesus. She's got great-grandchildren serving Jesus. There are times when the ripple effect, she died before she saw most of it. She saw me. She saw a couple of my brothers, but she didn't see much more than that. But the ripple effect goes on, the discipleship ripple effect of her life, which must have looked like it was a waste of time, is now carrying on. And, and in some cases, the, the influence of what she sowed is reaching way more people than she probably ever imagined that her life could. And yet here we are, and, and, and it's unfolding in our times across multiple people's lives. And so for you and for me, I thank God for people in this room for what you model, for what you bring, for the effect that your life is having, for what you do. Thank God for generations of farmers who hosted Bible studies. Thank God for generations of workers, of miners, people who lived in hostile and polite environments who modelled their faith, where they lived. Thank God for those kinds of people. Thank God for missionaries who gave up everything to go to the far-flung corners of the earth like Australia. Thank God for missionaries who did that. Uh, Thank God for business people who determined that rather than their life be all about increasing their comfort level by degrees and their empire by levels, instead of that, they decided that they would build kingdom-minded, Jesus-minded businesses. And that's why we sit in buildings, and that's why we have universities that were started. And that's why, you know, the other week I was... Um, hosting a, a team, part of a team hosting a conference at Coleroy, Cost you $2 million to buy a three-bedroom home with one toilet in Coleroy. $2 bucks for a home you can buy in Kalala like mine. And, and, and $2 million. And yet there's this gigantic Christian facility that someone back in the day determined that rather than just live their lives for themselves, these would be contributors to build Jesus' church in a nation. And the ripple effect of that today is incredible. Imagine they sold it and imagine that was reinvested, um, whatever they do with it, and just thank God. Thank God for generation upon generation, for people who determined that the ripple effect from their life, as much as it depended on them, would make a difference for somebody's life and somebody's eternity somewhere. I'm thankful for it and I'm sure many of you are too. But what's the effect going to be from our life? Creating a discipleship ripple effect that runs deep and wide. Here, here's a passage um, we're going to look at, really um, take from today. I think Paul gives this to Temp- Timothy and says, hey, be an example for the believers in this. And by giving him this, he creates a model that, that can have a ripple effect in their lives and way beyond it that reaches even here today. So here it comes on the screen, 1 Timothy. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, um, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love in faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. And then verse 16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself, not only yourself, but you'll save hearers as well. And so I just think, Paul says, be an example for the believers in, and he gives this list, and then he continues to go on with some instructions to Timothy. And I just want us to orientate around them for a few minutes today. Um, Jesus said this, I, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Paul added, for my, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. And he says this in another place, for you yourselves know that you ought to follow our example. And then he writes to Timothy and says, set an example. Hey, I'm talking to the next generation now, Timothy. I want you to set an example. I'm the ripple effect of you know those that have gone before me, and now you're the ripple effect of me, and now you to create a discipleship ripple effect from you. And he says, Here, here's how to do it. It's pretty simple. He says, number one, he says, be an example for the believers in, in speech. Be an example for the believers in speech. And I I think believers and people outside the church, that every believer in Jesus should be an example in speech, shouldn't we? Our our speech should be sound. Our speech should be something the Bible says that really, you know, people can look at and and it models something. There should be something distinct from, in my speech, from those around me that is something more than I don't swear. And I don't swear. Um, But it should go way beyond that. That just makes me look pious. It should be full of faith, it should have something of life, it should have grace. You know, it shouldn't be full of judgment. You know, the Bible says sometimes we get it a bit screwed, don't we? There's a thing where in in the church people will say, Well, you can't judge a brother. Yeah, of course you can judge a brother. Actually, the Bible says to judge a brother. The Bible says that we should judge each other in the church when our lives don't line up with the word. Actually, it says that in Corinthians. What it also says in the same verse is, Don't judge an outsider. And yet somehow, you know, not in this room maybe, but it gets a bit screwed up where the church inside will say, don't judge us. And on the outside, they judge all kinds of things. And so we want to be the kinds of people that our speech is not, it is not bringing judgment to people outside his church. And it should be full of life, should be full of faith, should be full of hope. Yeah, um, there should be something encouraging in it. I mean, we've got God on our side. Waymaker, miracle worker, what promise keeper? God is in our corner and on our side. And, and, you know, I love it. You can hear it in people of faith who get it at the core of their being that that's how they live. Business could go through a tough season, and, and that happens to everything. We're in a drought right now, it's real. But, but really, what's my confession? Is my confession that I serve Jesus, that Jesus is the King of kings, that Jesus is the Lord of lords, that Jesus does control the weather, that Jesus is greater than climate change? I'm pretty sure, like you, I'm pretty sure that he is. You know, I heard just this week, just this week, that um, they're saying that right now one of the most influential people in all of Parliament is Tim Costello. Uh, Tim Costello. He's, a, he's an advocate, really, for policy. He comes from a Christian perspective, and I know he's right-hand person. And she said, Darren, everybody wants to speak with Tim. They want to speak with Tim because you know he led World Vision, and he he's a he's an incredible man. They also want to speak because now we've got a Christian prime minister. He's literally got people, politicians, ringing him saying, "Hey, can we talk about the Bible?" They said the landscape in the political sphere in Canberra has completely changed. Like that, it's a good day, right? Here's what else we know about Tim Costello. He's not down there judging. He's not down there condemning. He's down there bringing life. He's down there bringing encouragement. He's a man of conviction. And I think, let's be, let's... Be. It, it creates such a distinction in people's life as we just just live with great speech, you know. Oh, I don't know about you. I, 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 have you ever gossiped? I've gossiped too. But I don't like it. The, the negativity. Can you imagine Jesus sitting around having a negative conversation? Can you imagine Jesus sitting around having a critical conversation? Can you imagine Jesus bagging his church? Can you imagine Jesus bagging a preacher? Lots of things happen in the church in America all the time. And, and I, because I've met some of those preachers, I have to discipline myself not to read it. I don't want to know. I don't know what they've gotten wrong. I don't know what they're stuffed up. I don't need to have that conversation on my lips. What I want to know is, hey, have I got grace for that? Am I praying for that? Am I? What am I going to focus on? Let's talk about all that's good. Let's talk about what's going on. And so, your speech and mind in our workplace, in our day-to-day life, in our home, just can be powerful. Here's a. So it says, you know, be an example in speech. Be an example in. Um, uh, can I just put this on speech? Let's feel the responsibility. Let's love the opportunity. Let's sense the potential in that. I, I think it's great potential in our words. Um, be an example for believers in conduct. I'll sum conduct up. As behaviour, demeanour, dem- demeanour, and manner—I didn't think of that. It's from a dictionary. Be an example in conduct. Be an example in our behaviour. Be an example in our demeanour. Oh. I'll just tell you: there's few things flatten me out like a like a downtrodden demeanour. It just affects me. I have to grow up and be bigger than that. Um, but I think it's so powerful for us to um, to live with a great demeanour. And that's why it's so important for a Christian to live full of the Spirit. Because life will beat everyone down, given enough time. And that's why when in Acts 6, the Bible says um, they appointed um, those to look after the distribution of the food, The, the one prerequisite was that they were full of the Spirit. And so as a believer in Jesus, just stirring up that fire so that you can live with a demeanor, so that we can live with a manner, so that we can live with behavior that is absolutely different to those people around us. What happens when something goes wrong in the workplace? Well, what's my response to that? Um, um, what, what about you? What about when someone cuts you off? Someone got really, really cranky with me in a car park in Sydney recently. Like, no, they didn't get cranky. I held them up. And... Um, And they just flew around the outside of me, and I got cranky. And I remember after it thinking, I'm so glad they didn't hear me, because imagine having that kind of impact on them. Glad I didn't have a fish sticker on the car. They, um, but I want to. We're all imperfect, but we get it right. Conduct in love, it says. In love, Jesus said, "My command is this: Love each other as I have loved you." I want to take you to one um, Bible verse here that I think is really helpful to us. One Thessalonians chapter four. Verses 9 and 10. Thinking about being an example in love, okay? Um, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you and so many people in this room, I would say that would be true of you. Some of us got some work to do. For you yourselves have been taught by God to, to love each other, verse 10. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, do so more and more. Don't you like that? So where's my level of love and what does more and more look like different from right now. Because after you've been around a while, some of us have been around a while, we find our level, don't we? We kind of find our level of love. I'm going here. And it's not that we're not going anymore. We just stop thinking about it really deeply. And so Paul writes to them and says, hey, you're doing good, guys. You're doing great at this. But let's do it more and more. So what does more and more look like for you? And what does more and more look like for me? And let's venture into new territory as it relates to to love because that creates a ripple effect um i definitely i definitely love more people um than i naturally would because of bronnie it's it's true i i know that i i just know that that's the case the ripple effect of her life makes me stop and think about how i genuinely love people and if you know bron you know that's true right the way she hugs you, if you've ever been hugged, that's actually the way she feels about you. And um, I don't know if she always feels that way about me, but it is how she feels about you. And so, I just want to love more and more. Who, and there's a ripple effect from people who do that well. Here's the next one. This is this is one I really wanted to get to today. This is kind of my favorite. Be an example for the believers in purity. I'm a male in a technologically advanced age where I can turn on my phone and in one click I can be looking at pretty well anything I want. And the Bible comes along and says, be an example in purity. This is big and not just for males. I understand that, girls. If you're struggling with this idea of purity, I want you to understand we, uh, we get that this is a um, on both ends of the you know divide. But be an example in purity. And there are some great rules. I, I don't know, if you, men, if you've ever done Valiant Man, but I just want to give you one Bible passage that really helps us. And um, Bron and I came up in a church that did this really well. I never perfected the art. I'm not claiming to have. But our church that we grew up in, kind of, or she grew up in, I came to, um, um, they did this particularly well. So here it is. It's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, But exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Now there's a verse. Treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So here's what I've got for you. Five things you don't do to your sister. You ready? Number one thing you don't do to your sister behave flirtatiously with her. We're agreed. Yeah, good. Glad about that. Number two thing you don't do to your sister. Let your thoughts run wild over her. That's just weird, right? (laughs) Number three thing you don't do to your sister. Put your arm around her at the movies. (laughs) Number four thing you don't do to your sister. Get her alone to build a connection. And the number five, does any brother get their sister alone for any reason, except he wants something? Number five, You don't text her with leading words that can go either way. The the kind of words that maybe someone could say something to us and we go, no, no, that's not what I meant. But actually, if someone read it a certain way. They're the five things you don't do to your sister. The Bible says treat all younger women, I would say all women except those older, treat them like mothers uh, as our sister. Five things you do for your sister. Number one, God help the boy who speaks bad of your sister. If you're a good brother, if you don't currently do that, I'd encourage you in it. If your parents think differently, they supersede my thoughts. Number one, because it's not Bible, God help the boy who speaks bad of your sister. Number two, God help the man who touches her. Number three, you look after, you watch out for, and you champion your sister. Don't you boys? It's what you do for your sister. Is that common, isn't it? Number four, you're there when she needs you, that's appropriate. And if it's not appropriate, you get someone who it is appropriate for. Number five, you be yourself and let her be the same. I think just a great way to advance purity in our own life is to carry the mindset, and even as that's forming, because I realize that's not natural, even as that's forming to carry forward the behaviors that reinforce that mindset, that help with purity. And so, you know, if you're one of our young guys, you should be watching out for that, right? Someone comes in, they behave differently to a girl that the Bible tells you to treat her as a sister. Man, let's be in that corner. Let's look after that that girl. Obviously, yeah, gender-wise, it, it happens in reverse too. And so, um, but let's be those kinds of people. Let's live those kinds of lives. Um, a couple of thoughts for the rest of us too. If someone is not our spouse, we have no place treating them like our date. Um just a thought. And if I'm single, if I'm not married yet, I have no place communicating with someone or treating someone like their body belongs to me. True, right? I'm just trying to save people pain, that's all. I'm not trying to beat anyone up. I'm just trying to save us all the pain that comes from stuffing this space. I've seen it way too many times. It has so much pain attached. It has a short-term win for long-term pain. In fact, Proverbs says will that person not say at the end of their days, will they not say, why, why, why was I so foolish? Why did I let my strength be taken by another? And, um, so, and then it goes on, it says, um, be an example for the believers in devotion. Um, um, and I just think living devoted lives as followers of Jesus and then be an example in activating our gifts in God's service. He talks about fanning into flame in another place. He talks about um, make sure you stir up the gift that's in you. And this is a great space for every disciple of Jesus. When, when your gifts and my gifts begin to be activated in the spheres where we work and live, but also in his service, when that starts to happen in our lives, is that, a very powerful place for us to live as our gifts are activated in the service of Jesus. You know, watching Sophie lead worship this morning, she's just... She just looks like she's right at home, comfortable or in her skin. But I know for her that it's about leading you. Like there's a there's a gift on her life. There's an ability to to sing, and she can she can go play here and there. But but in some way that that gift that is upon her life is a God given gift, and at least in part is to steward in the house of God, to steward, sorry, in the, in, the, in the local church, to steward for God's purposes. And your life and my life are the same. There are gifts that you have and there are gifts that I have. And, and like Paul says to Timothy, he says, hey, be an example in all of these things. And Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's within you. And one, um, one might argue that it's a gift of the Holy Spirit and we should all be stirring that up within us. And some will argue that it's a, a gift that's specific to him. And I think both are true. We can split the theology down the middle but, but both are true and there's something incredible when as a disciple we begin to just live that out and model that for others. There's a ripple effect in people's lives. I don't know. Bron and I have definitely made lots of mistakes and I would say I've made more mistakes, more mistakes than my wife in, in all sincerity. But one thing I reckon that we have done is serve God with our gifts. And so this morning I get up, we went to bed really late And I get up and Katie, I'm I'm getting ready to text the people who were picking Katie up to take her to the Running Festival because she went to bed after 11 at 6.15, I think, or six o'clock. And I thought, I don't want Katie to get up because she's got to be ready by 10 to seven. And the next thing, Katie emerges from her room. No parent grabbed her. I said, sweetie, I was just about to text and say, I'll drop you down later on my way. And she went, no, dad. No, dad, I said, I'll go. She's in year six. Dad, I said, I'll go, I will be there. I said, okay, wear a jumper, please. uh, And there are lots of mistakes we make, and you know that's true, but the ripple effect of taking a gift and serving God with that, I'm so confident that if my kids serve Jesus, that their kids will replicate that. In fact, they'll have to rebel against everything they know to live differently. And, and your life as well. Your life and the gifts on your life, are they're put there by God to serve His purposes on the earth. And I just want to encourage all of us, let's find ways to employ them. Let's find ways to outwork them. God, place them there for a reason. They have eternal purpose. They are there to build His church. They are there to see people's lives lifted up. I saw Marilyn before. I remember years ago when Marilyn would pray with Bron one time and, and after it, Bron said, something changed today. I remember it. There's this gift on a life in that area of a life and and something changed something shifted Rick Allerton uses his gifts all the time as for years and years in the service of Jesus right across the church and what a powerful way to live what an incredible thing to model so just encourage you in that let's be those kinds of people goes on to talk about sound theology and all kinds of things but let's be those who would create a discipleship ripple effect from our lives in Jesus name amen amen why don't you stand with me I'm going to pray and we're going to go. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for who you are in our lives. Thank you for Jesus' words. Go into all the world, make disciples. Baptise them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things I have commanded yes you are with us to the end of the age and heavenly father we, we finish there this morning thank you that you are with us till the end of the age you are with us moment by moment hour by hour day by day year by year And so as we leave this place today as we, we pray Lord um, we want to have a discipleship ripple effect that brings about Lord that you could use to bring about change in the lives of others so we commit ourselves to you we surrender our lives in your service and we thank you that you are with us in every moment. Strengthen each person in this room by your power. Fill each person in this room with your Holy Spirit. And God, may you go before us into a brand new week. Lord, for those in the middle of gigantic struggles, you are the way maker. May you miraculously move on their behalf. Lord, for people who need to make decisions around um, homes and buildings and businesses and family and all kinds we just pray for the wisdom of god in every circumstance represented right across this room we commit everybody to you in jesus name amen hey again thanks so much for joining us on this podcast whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of jesus there is a next step for you there is always room to grow more to be done destiny to be pursued and people to be reached so what's your next step To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au And thanks again for listening.